Let's just take a moment and do just that. Let's take a moment and ask God to, to clear our mind from distractions that may be trying to keep us from adoring Him. To remove thoughts that would block our, our, our communion with our adorable Savior. God, I thank you for a time of the year like this where we can intentionally turn our focus toward the gift of Christmas. God, thank you that there, there's so many reasons for us to adore you. There's so many reasons for us to praise you and give you glory. Today, I pray that in the name of Jesus, in the name of our Savior, God, you would make this time of worship personal for us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw us into your presence in a powerful way. And I pray that the, the power of your word and the flow of your Holy Spirit taking your word and applying it to our life would change us. God, we want to go away from here, letting the world know that we do adore you. And I pray that, God, that would happen as we connect our mind and our spirit and our soul with you and with who you are. I pray that you will be lifted up, that you will be adored, that we will truly experience godly worship today as we turn our thoughts toward you and continue just to celebrate you and praise you. Once again, thank you for the sounds of Christmas. Thank you for the songs of Christmas. And I pray for the life-changing power of Christmas in this place today, in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to open your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be spending the next few weeks through actually the rest of this year uh, in Matthew's gospel and then continuing after the Christmas season, we're going to continue in the book of Matthew, Lord willing, uh, throughout the first part of next year. Matthew chapter 1, uh, you have your Bible open, I encourage you to read along with me. I'm just going to read the first six verses today and take us through the the message of the, the first six verses. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. This is the word of the Lord. To the people of the Lord today. So between the Old Testament prophet and prophecy of Malachi, 
which concluded what we know as the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, to the book of Matthew, which launches the first book of the New Testament. Almost 400 years had passed. We have a gap in uh, God's work in the lives of His people for that 400 years. But then Jesus came on the scene. Jesus left His home in heaven and entered this earth in the flesh through a family. Uh, He entered human history when the land of Palestine was just a very minor part of the great, vast Holy Roman Empire. The rule of Rome had brought some feeling of, of military peace to the world. However, it did nothing to eliminate the oppression, the slavery, the injustice, the immorality that Jesus actually entered the world into. Much like our world today, not a whole lot has changed over the last 2,000 years from the standpoint of oppression and injustice and immorality and even slavery in our world today. So this year, as I said, we're going we're gonna to look at Christmas through the eyes of Matthew. In this first book of the New Testament, Matthew introduces us to Jesus through an earthly family. Family is such a a powerful institution in our world today. Genealogy served several purposes in, in Bible times, and they did a few things like validating the origins of people, validating ancestral claims to property. Genealogies validated positions of authority, and they also were used to trace history. And so, as we studied last year when we looked at the book of Ezra, remember that? We looked at the book of Ezra, and there were a number of genealogies throughout the book of Ezra. Genealogies were important to the Bible world as they are today. And Matthew takes us to all of these destinations through his eyes, through his lens of presenting Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, we have the ancestry listed of Jesus. There are 14 generations times 3 in this genealogy. This ancestry spans 2,000 years and introduces us to 46 different people. And these people, like people today, varied in personality, they varied in spirituality, Uh, They varied in life experience. No different from you and me today. No different from the billions of people, nearly 8 billion people in our world today. We have Abraham, Isaac, Ruth, and David listed here who are considered in most people's eyes as heroes in the faith. We also have Rahab and Tamar, on the other hand, who may in some people's eyes be considered as questionable reputation type people. But the interesting thing, and we'll say this again as we move through the text, but the interesting thing here is that none of these people are are different from us today. And all these people had one thing in common. I bet you can guess what it is. They were all sinners. Just like you, just like me. 
They were all sinners. They all had the same need. We often use the phrase, welcome to the family in our culture today, don't we? I mean, you think about it. How many of you have recently been to a wedding maybe and you've, you've heard maybe at a wedding function when the bride was introducing the groom or the groom was introducing the bride, they, they, they said something like, welcome to our family. Welcome to our family. Your family now is our family. Uh, when a baby is born, often people say, you know, to that baby, welcome to our family. Or even in a courtroom, when an adoption's taking place, people come out of the courtroom and they say, welcome to our family. We're, we're very familiar with that kind of terminology. But most places in the world today are, are good, do a good job with recognizing the value of family. Uh, I love it when I see families coming to church together, sitting together in church, hanging out together in restaurants and different kind of functions in our community. Because in most, in most cultures like ours, families are the foundation from which we grow. They provide us with support and encouragement, and love. They're a place where we can often return and be refreshed. We can often return and be restored. And even, especially during holiday seasons, these are times of excitement for those kinds of adventures. I also recognize that that's not true with everybody. For some people... Memories of family bring painful thoughts and thoughts of maybe even harm and evil. And if that's you here today, I, I'm sorry that that's your, your story. But even for you, even for all of us, the picture that God's Word paints of family is one of encouragement. It's one of inspiration. And so that's why I'm so glad all of us are here today to experience this message from God's Word. My wife has had a keen interest over our lifetime together, the 47 and a half years we've been together, of our family ancestry. My, my dad told her when we first got married not to spend too much time looking around in our family, but she couldn't help it. I mean, we have been... Uh, busy looking at our family roots, our family heritage, and it's been a wonderful thing. In fact, on our 25th wedding anniversary, we, we went to England and Scotland. We've been told that's where our families came from, and so it was so exciting for us to trace the tracks of, of what we thought and had heard and learned that our family had trod. Then several years ago, we joined this national group that took our DNA, and they checked our family roots and traced our family roots. And guess what? Our British and Scottish roots were validated. <laughs> we actually did our, uh, come from families that came from Great Britain and Scotland, and we rejoice in that. The Bible introduces us to Jesus from a genealogy that Matthew chose to record. Jesus is the Son of Glory. And according to Matthew, he welcomes Jesus to all the nations of the world through Father Abraham. 
Abraham provided hope for all nations. And that's why I'm so glad that Matthew chose, unlike Luke, to introduce us to Jesus through the family of Abraham. Because that hope for us provides a number of benefits. And I want us to spend just a few minutes now. We could spend months, maybe even years, on these four benefits of being part of the family of Abraham. I'm not going to dwell on these four benefits for long this morning. So uh, you take it and run with it after you leave here today. But for our, uh, for our purpose today, let me just list these four benefits and what God teaches us through these four benefits. First of all, benefit number one, God provides the family blessing through Abraham. God provides the family blessing. In Genesis chapter 12, you heard read earlier, you want to turn there. Genesis 12, 1 to 4. The Bible says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So look back at verse 1 now, verse 1 of chapter 12 of Genesis. The Lord said to Abram, go. Now look down at verse 4. So Abram went. God gave Abram a command, and Abram obeyed that command. God chose Abraham to be our source of blessing into the family of God. Abraham was not the blessing, but he was the source of the blessing. And that's significant for you and me today. We also, when we believe God and obey God can be a great source of blessing to our families as well. So what is a blessing? Well, a blessing is something that you uh, do to provide happiness or do good for another person or another thing, according to the dictionary. Now, Abram became a blessing by obeying God's command. God said, go, and he went. So because Abram believed God, God made this promise. God said, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's interesting. Abram left his family, left his home, left everything that he knew of comfort and of, uh, you know, the... the the cultural status that he had. And he took his family and possessions and followed what God asked him to do. He went. Christmas is a time that reminds us that Jesus left his home in heaven and came to this earth to become flesh through a family and live among you and me, live among people on this earth. 
God said to Abraham, go, and he went. Jesus was part of making the plan with God and the Holy Spirit to leave heaven. And when God said go, he went and he came to this earth to live among you and me. You also can live God's blessed life today. Let me just give you uh, some characteristics. If you choose to believe God today and you choose to live God's blessing for your life today, first of all, You can believe God's promise. Just like Abraham believed God's promise, you can believe God's promise. Through Abraham, God blesses those who believe. And when God blesses you with His love and goodness and blessing, I challenge you to be like Abram and use that blessing to bless other people as well. How do you do that? Well, number two, you can live God's blessed life by letting God's Word be your guide. God has given us His Word. God is always true to His Word. God never fails in honoring His Word. And so you can bless your family by following His guidance through His Word. Thirdly, live to please the Lord. You can trust God. You can obey God just like Abram trusted God and believed God and obeyed God. You can make decisions that please God. You can treat people in the way that pleases the Lord. You can resist temptation that blocks your relationship to the Lord that we we talked about last week. When you fail, just like Abraham and all of his descendants, none of them were perfect. They all failed. But when you fail, you can repent, and you can ask God's forgiveness, and you can have your relationship with God restored. You can receive His goodness and His favor and His grace and His mercy, and ultimately His forgiveness. So so let me pause just for a moment. Is that your story today? Have you come to that place in your life where you have trusted your life to obey God, to believe God, to let Him have total control of your life as Abraham set the example for us. Because when you do that, number four, you can love life and have fun walking with God. Don't be afraid to laugh with Father God, guiding your life. He he has invited you to be a part of His abundant life. When Jesus walked here on this earth, you know, there's something interesting about Jesus. He wasn't, you know, a Debbie Downer. I mean, he, he wasn't negative about life. Uh, even when He was challenging people like the Pharisees, for example... Remember, Jesus said one time to the Pharisees, He said, you know, you're quick to judge other people. Don't worry about the toothpick that's in somebody else's eye when you have a telephone pole in your eye. That's what Jesus said. and That was funny. I mean, it was meant to be, I think, He was being serious, but, you know, Jesus went about life as you and I can go about life 
walking with the Father and enjoying life, having fun as we walk this pilgrimage that we call life. So my point is that Abraham received God's blessing in order to pass it on. We're a blessing in order to be a blessing. And I want to challenge you today to put yourself in a position to hear God say to you, Welcome to the family. That only comes one way, and that's by believing the promise of God that when you confess your sin, He is faithful and He will forgive you of your sin. And again, don't let today pass without putting yourself in that position today to hear God say, welcome to the family. Because when you do, God provides the family blessing. Secondly, God provides the family covenant. We see that in verses 4 to 7 of Genesis chapter 17, if you want to turn there. Genesis chapter 17, verses 4 to 7. Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations." I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. So God established this covenant with Abraham. And it was an unconditional covenant. In in Genesis chapter 15, we have the story of God cutting this covenant with Abraham. Uh, There's something extremely significant about this covenant. In Bible times, when, when two people would enter into a covenant with one another, they would take an animal, they would sacrifice that animal, cut it in half... And the two parties of the covenant would walk between the parts of that animal. That signified the fact that they were saying to one another, if I ever break this covenant, may what happened to this animal happen to me. A covenant is serious business, was very serious business. But that's not the way this covenant was established between God and Abraham. When God established this covenant between him and Abraham, only God walked between the pieces of the animal. Not Abraham, only God. God was saying to Abraham, this covenant does not depend on your obedience, but on my promise. Nothing can stop this covenant from coming to pass, is what God was saying. So this is where the the covenant of blessing and redemption to Abraham becomes a channel to our family blessing. The covenant for Abraham seemed impossible. Abraham was, at this point in his life, 90 years old, and he had no heir, he had no one to produce descendants that God had promised him. It seemed impossible. The Bible says in the New Testament that that Abraham was as good as dead when God made this 
promise, cut this covenant with him. So where are the descendants going to come from? Well, Abraham believed God, the Bible says, and his faith was counted to him for righteousness. Today we, we have contracts and agreements. If, if you're here today and you got married, when you got married you went to the courthouse and you, you received a contract that you had to sign and it had a judicial stamp on it to validate it. That stamp, that seal, your signature in ink validated that contract. Um, back during Hurricane Ian, Gail and I had shingles blown off of our house. We had to have our roof replaced. Our shingles replaced on our roof. When the company came out to, to quote us a contract, they, they, drew up a, they drew up a contract, and we had to sign that contract saying we would put so much money down, and then when they finished the job, the rest would be paid. That's, that's a contract. That's close, similar, not exactly, but close and similar to what contracts or what covenants looked like in the day of Abraham. They were much more serious because our contracts today are signed in ink. The contract God made with Abraham was signed in blood. And that blood for you and me was the fact that not only did Jesus come to earth at Christmas, but his purpose was to go to the cross to shed his blood. And the covenant that we have between us and God is sealed and signed with the blood of Jesus. And if we have faith in Christ Jesus, who is the Savior of the world, our faith in the sacrificial blood of Jesus will be counted to us as righteousness. Just as Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness before God. So again, here's the question. God has done his part to establish the covenant with you and me. Our part is to take the grace that God has given us and apply it to our life and place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ who shed his blood to seal that covenant between us and, and God. Have you done that? Have you come to that place in your life where you said, I know for sure, number one, I know I'm a sinner. Just like Abraham knew he was a sinner and knew he needed salvation. Have you come to that place where you admit that you're a sinner and you said, God, I believe that Jesus Christ has paid the price for the penalty of my sin and I, I repent of my sin, I turn away from my sin. I enter into relationship with you through your covenant because when you do that, God opens up his arms and he says, welcome to my family. Welcome to my family. The family of God. So God provides the covenant. Thirdly, God provides the family promise. God provides the family promise. See, God gave, as I said, his promise to Abraham that he was going to have a son when Abraham was 90 years old. But Abraham didn't see the fulfillment of that promise until he was 
100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old. If you look in Genesis chapter 22, you'll see one of the most puzzling and fascinating events in history. God commanded Abraham to take this long-promised son, Isaac, his only son, and sacrifice him. Are you kidding me? He waits all of his life to have a son, and then finally God gives him a son, and then God asks him to sacrifice that son. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 3, we have the story told on Abraham. Verse 3 says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and followed God's instructions to Mount Moriah. Just like earlier in his life, just like 25 years earlier in his life, when, when God said, uh, leave the place where you're living and go, the Bible says, and Abraham went. Here God tells him to go and sacrifice his only son, his one and only son. And he immediately saddled his donkey and headed toward Mount Moriah. This action proved that, that Abraham had such strong faith in God that he trusted God. Is that your story today? Have you come to your life, the point in your life, have I come to the point in my life where I'm willing to obey exactly what God tells me to do without any question, without any reservation? In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 12, God's angel comes to Abraham after, Abraham after he sees that he's been obedient, he's done what what God asked him to do, and God intervened, because in verse 12, God says, do not lay your hand on the boy, and then God provided a sacrifice, a ram was caught by his horns in the brush, and that ram became the sacrifice, but Abraham's heart was exposed, his faith in trusting God and obeying God was undeniable. And I pray today that that's your story. I pray today that that will be my story because then in Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 to 18, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth, all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. It's so important that we, we not only trust God, but we obey God. In order to trust God and obey God, we have to know God. God has promised all the nations that we would be blessed through Abraham. And that includes you, that includes me. 
when we put our faith and trust in Him just as Abraham did. Abraham believed the promise of God, and the patience of Abraham paid off. Heard about this little boy this week, three and a half years old, true story. His parents carried him to see Santa Claus. He climbed up on Santa Claus's lap, and Santa Claus said, What do you want for Christmas? And the little boy said, I want a Power Ranger. Santa Claus shook his head, and the little boy stuck out his hand. He said, Okay, Santa Claus, you know, you asked me what I wanted. I want a Power Ranger. Come through. <laughs> that dad had some explaining to do as they traveled away from Santa. See, Santa was going to come through with that gift, but it was based on the ability of the dad to produce, to come through. Abraham applied the faith that God gave him, and God provided the sacrifice. Abraham was willing to obey God and sacrifice his son, which was remarkable for Abraham. But listen to this. God provided the sacrifice for your sin and my sin. And Jesus actually was sacrificed on the cross to pay the penalty for the price of your sin and my sin. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. God is faithful. God always fulfills all of His promises. So I want to challenge you along with me to make sure that we trust God's promise. That we put our faith in the sacrifice that He provided for us today, Jesus. And let Him take away the penalty of our sin. That's why we have Christmas. That's why Jesus came to earth. So he could live that perfect life. So he could live that sacrificial death. And suffer death on your behalf and on my behalf. God is faithful. He always provides and fulfills all of his promises. And Jesus, Jesus was the perfect fulfillment of God's promise. And Jesus is your down payment for eternity today as well. So don't leave here today without putting your faith and putting your trust in Jesus by admitting that you're a sinner and asking God to do what he said he would do, and that's forgive you of your sin. In John chapter 14, we have one of the greatest promises for you and me today. John chapter 14, verse 1 says, let not your heart be troubled. I mean, we live in a world of trouble. But God says, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus said this. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms, many dwelling places. If it were no, I would have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. Can you imagine that? Today, Jesus is preparing a place for those who will put faith and trust in Him. I go and prepare a place for you. And here's another promise. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And then John says this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. And here's another promise. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you know him today? Have you come to that place in your life where you have accepted Jesus as the truth, as your life, as the way to be restored to your Father? Because when you accept that promise, God opens up his arms and God says, Welcome to the family. Are those not beautiful words? Welcome to my family. And that leads to the final benefit that God provides. God provides the family Savior. He provides the family Savior. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, we read it. We read where the Bible clearly says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus fulfilled God's covenant with Abraham. And because of that, not only will he reign forever, but he invites you into his family. So you and I can reign with him forever and ever and ever as well. Abraham was a sinner and he needed a savior. As this genealogy points out, all the descendants of Abraham were all sinners and they needed a Savior. You and I are sinners and we need a Savior. Do you understand that? The blessing God promised Abraham becomes our blessing on the basis of our faith in Jesus Christ. So what does it mean? That Jesus is a Savior. Why do we need a Savior? We need a Savior because the Bible clearly says there's none righteous, no, not one. I don't, I don't know how you look at yourself, but you know, if you understand that you're a sinner and admit that you're a sinner, that means that we all stand on equal ground. There's no worse sin than any other sin. We're all sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't measure up to Jesus. We can't be good enough. That's not what it's about. So I admit that I'm a sinner. And then the Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. What I get for the payment of my sin is separation from God. That's the problem with this world. But God has provided the solution. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here it is again. God has provided for you and me a Savior. So don't miss Him. Don't go through today. Don't go through this Christmas season. Salvation through Jesus is the beginning of the family blessing. Here's the way Paul puts it in Romans chapter 4, verse 13. The Bible says, For the promise to Abraham and to his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In other words, you can't be good enough. You can't work your way. You can't earn your way to God. 
You're always going to fall short. But he continues in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, the same kind of paragraph. The Bible says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have, number one, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, verse 2, through Him we have obtained access by faith. So we have peace with God. We have faith that comes from God into this grace which we stand. See, peace and faith and grace are all gifts from God to those who have been welcomed into His family. Is that you? I pray that it is today. I pray that you'll understand that God doesn't expect you to be good enough to work your way to Him. Don't wait till you're good enough. Trust Him to save you from not being good enough right now, today. And then live the rest of your life receiving His blessings and being a blessing to everybody in your family, your larger family, the world family. When Matthew wrote this book, which became the first book in the New Testament. He confirmed that through Abraham, the family blessing promised to him would bring peace and joy to all who would believe the promises of God. Is that the way you're living today? Are you living a life of peace? Are you living a life of joy? That's what God offers to those who have been welcomed into His family. God promised Abraham, I will bless you, that you will be a blessing. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So you know that you're under God's blessing. Number one, when you're at peace in your soul. You're not worried about all of the activity that's going on in the world that is so unpeaceful. But you focus on your relationship with God. You're anchored in your relationship with Jesus, so He gives you peace in the middle of a storm. See, Abraham made some really good choices in life, but he also made some really bad choices. And the Bible says about Abraham, I love this epitaph, when he was 175 years old, he died in peace. That's what I want for my life. I don't want to live to be 175. I don't. I really don't. But I want my last days to be days spent in peace. <coughs> Secondly, he says, if you fall under the blessing of God, you'll have joy ruling in your heart. Joy is not circumstantial. It doesn't depend on what's happening in the world around you. Joy comes from the inside, from that connection you have with God, that walk you have with God, and it comes out when you're squeezed. Not anger, not resentment, not hatred, not bitterness, not sadness. What comes out when you're squeezed, when you're walking in the blessing of the Lord, is joy. When you're under God's blessing, nothing can steal your joy. John chapter 10, verse 10 tells us that Jesus brings a full and meaningful life to the believers, to his followers. That's living joyfully under God's blessing through all circumstances. Didn't say you're going to be happy through it all. 
doesn't say you're going to be comfortable through it all. In fact, you're not going to be comfortable through it all. But you're going to have joy and peace through it all. So are you content in whatever state you're living in today? Living in God's peace, living in God's joy, because God provides the family blessing and the family covenant and the family promise and the family Savior. When you're in God's family, and I trust that you are, you want to have the faith of Abraham. You want to leave the old life behind, like he did when he left Ur and headed toward a land that God would show him. Didn't even know where he was going to go, but God told him he would show him where to go. Are you willing to leave anything behind of this world in order to capture and be at peace and joy under the blessing of the Lord. Abraham was not the blessing. He was the channel through which God's blessing have flowed. You can be a channel of blessing just like Abraham. There's no difference in you and Abraham. God wants to use you to be a channel of blessings for everybody in your family, everybody in your community, everybody in your life. We enter the family of God through Jesus, the Messiah and Savior of all, when we put our faith and trust in Him. Some of you need to do that today. Some of you have been walking through life too long without Jesus. And today I want to challenge you to give your life to Jesus. Trust Him. Trust His promises. Obey Him. And let him open up all the fullness of his blessings in your life today. My wife's great-grandfather was a guy named William Perry. We knew very little about him. A few years ago, we were up in the North Carolina, northern part of North Carolina, Tennessee area. And Gail said, it's not too far for us to drive over and try to find my great-grandfather's grave. Not too far. Well, we did it. We took the plunge, and we actually found the grave and the headstone in which her great-grandfather, William Perry, was buried. Um, the writing, the etching on the tombstone had become very pale, and so Gail goes to the car. She brings back a paper bag and a pencil, <laughs> and she put the paper over the headstone, and she took the pencil, and she etched out the scribbling on the, on the tombstone. And sure enough, when we got back home, she was able to take that piece of paper, take that message, and trace the roots of her great-grandfather. Her great-grandfather's past was a little bit different from what we thought. Had some areas that were surprises. He actually, living in South Carolina, was a resident of South Carolina, he actually fought for the Union I see some of you smiling because you're from the north. You're from up there. He actually fought for the Union. We found some surprises in his genealogy. But you know what's interesting to me is that when you trace Abraham's genealogy from the eyes of Matthew. I mean, there's some surprises there. For example, there are five women listed in that genealogy. And in the, in the first century, women were not credible witnesses. 
But he puts five women in that genealogy. I mean, it's incredible at what, what he put there, some surprises. But there's one thing that's not a surprise. The son of glory. The son of glory was the fulfilled promise of God. And he spent the entire book that we call Matthew inviting us to be welcomed into the family of God through the Son of Glory. And that can only happen one way. The only way that can happen is for you to bow your knee, humble yourself before God, just like I've done, and say, God, be merciful to me. I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus to be my personal Savior. I accept you as the Savior from my sin. Thank you for paying the penalty for my sin. And I look forward to receiving the blessings, the promises, the covenant that you've given to all who enter your family. I want to spend the rest of my life receiving your blessings so I can be a blessing. Is that you today? Is that your story? I pray that you will not turn away today without receiving Jesus. And if you've received him, let his blessings flow through you like he has flowed through Abraham and all of his descendants. Let's pray together. God, thank you. that it doesn't take much to convince us that we need a Savior. It doesn't take much to convince us that we are sinners. And God, no matter what the enemy has tried to pour into our life and tell us that we're not good enough to come before you, that we're not good enough to receive your gift of salvation, God, help us to put that behind and claim the truth of your word today. God, help us to not only receive the blessing that you've offered and allow our lives to be restored to you, but then, God, help us to bless our families and bless those around us in our church family and our world family by being a channel of blessing for you. God, thank you for this Christmas season where we can focus for every week of this month looking at the value of being part of your family, being part of the the heritage that became ours through your perfect plan to ultimately know Jesus and then make all of life about him. So God, continue to work in our life in the next few minutes and help us to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit that speaks to us and then be willing to say yes to whatever you call us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's take a few minutes now and uh, if you want to take your info card and if you've made a decision to come to know Christ today or you want to know how to follow him, Look on the info card on your app and put that on there or come and talk to one of us after the service today. And uh, let's just spend a few minutes praying and asking God to examine our life right now. Would you join me as we continue to worship through prayer?